first I can't be without her I hoped I'd never live to see her casket lined with lace And she deserves to thrive on this earth a little longer If you need another worker, you can take me in her place yeah. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Cable Smith, welcome in each and every one of you into episode 57 of Justified Pursuit. Uh, this is not our typical introduction, as my co-host Chisholm Cook is here, but uh, also joining us will be Dr. Sean Baker, world-renowned leader of the carnivore diet movement. He's a published author, fitness guru, veteran, having uh, operated on many of our nation's finest while serving overseas. Surgeon, right? Okay, if you didn't connect the dots there. Doctor, it's not like uh, we're talking about someone who earned a degree like my sister who's woke and has six degrees and doesn't know what to do with any of them. No, he's actually a surgeon. So uh, all of that being said, let's go ahead and roll that conversation. Dr. Baker, it's great to have you on with us. It's been a couple years since you and I chatted. I'm glad to have Chisholm here on uh, the show today as well. And we've got a lot to get into, but I want to start with how long is it now that you've been solely on the carnivore diet? Yeah, so it's it's right at five years. So it was December 2016 when I when I started. So I'm basically five years in. So still still here, still not dead, still not got scurvy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it amazes me. So five years into this thing, still so many vegans, some of them claim they're even like doctors and stuff, still giving you hell on social media. You look at them and you look at you. I mean, that's that speaks volumes. But what about like blood work and all that stuff? Um, what do they say you're putting yourself at risk at? And then what do your test results say? You know, screw you. I'm, I'm fine. I'm healthy. Well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I guess that the major assumption would be things like heart disease, cancer, you know, my shortened life expectancy. Obviously, you can't, I mean, life expected for me is going to happen when it's going to happen. So I can't, I can't really refute, refute that. I mean, I still maintain, you know, health, but I mean, I mean, I think the heart disease one is probably one that most people will, will, will point out, point at. Cause I, you know, I mean, like I, I mean, I had 12 eggs for breakfast and a pound of, pound of uh, tri-tip and that's a pretty typical, you know, that's a lot, of, a lot of cholesterol, right? A lot of cholesterol, a lot of saturated fat. Um, so I had my heart checked, you know, not long ago, which something called a coronary, coronary artery scan, which looks at, any sort of calcification that might build up in your heart and, and people that have atherosclerotic heart disease will have calcification in, in many cases. Um, and mine was zero, perfectly clean, nothing going on. My blood pressure runs normal. You know, my triglycerides, my, my triglycerides and HDL are very, very my, my triglycerides run really, really low 50, 60, something like that. Typically my HDL is usually upper forties, which is actually higher than it used to be for me. And then, but you know, you know, my cholesterol, it runs anywhere from 160 to about 240, depending on the day I take it. Cause I've got the capacity to check it at home. And so I check it every once in a while and it's, you know, it kind of hovers around 200, you know, and that's, and that's something that people that are, uh, you know, promoting low fat diets would say, well, we'd like to see that a little you know, lower. Um, the data really for all cause mortality doesn't support that. And we're starting to see, you know, as a study just came out, looking at you know folks with have this really favorable cardiometabolic profile otherwise you know with things like you know well-controlled uh, glucose and triglycerides and hdl 
tend to tend to likely be in, in a in a in a favorable group regardless of what their their cholesterol is. And so that thing, you know, the cancer. I mean, that's one of those things. You know, let's say you know there's a there's a there's a link. There's a there's an epidemiologic population link with colorectal cancer and and uh, red meat consumption. That's primarily based on data coming out of the World Health Organization back in 2015. Since that time, that study has been shown to have a lot of uh, well, well, it was it was just a very weak study, and, and and a number of studies since that time have refuted those findings, including a huge one in 2019, done by the uh, Nutrix organization, which basically showed that after after reviewing all the you know the the, the largest review on red meat that's ever been done with regard to heart disease or colorectal cancer and really anything else, the conclusion was hey. There's no evidence. There's no strong evidence. So only weak evidence. It's there, and so people like to promote this weak evidence because it kind of, you know, matches their 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 ideology, I suppose. And so, so how did uh, you know? And so, I mean, sorry, how did that? How did that narrative uh, no, start? I mean, I, I mean, really, with the beginning of nutrition science. I mean, you know, if we look at the American Dietetics Association, which was founded in 1917, it was founded by you know, in large part, Seventh Day Adventists, who are, you know, their religion is promoting vegetarianism and so it's you know the, the very roots of nutrition science are grounded in vegetarianism and so that's been the sort of the bias for the last you know now over 100 years and you know we continue to see that and there's people that are ideologically there are a, a lot of people that are you know they they eat a certain way based on their ethics or their beliefs you know about animals you know animal suffering and you know really, you know a lot of seventh day Adventists find their way in nutrition and they've actually made their way up very high into the nutrition uh, world and so they 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 control a lot of the nutrition science more so than you'd think uh, and then you just have this belief system, you know, people, I mean, automatically people think, well, fruits and vegetables are the healthiest thing on the planet. I need to eat copious amounts. I need to eat six buckets of, you know, vegetables a day. Um, and, and that's just a, that's just a default assumption. And unfortunately that assumption is not really based on really rigorous science. I mean, there's definitely, you know, you could say that eating, vegetables is better than eating the modern junk food diet which clearly it is but it but i don't think they're they're you know inherently i mean certainly when you compare them to really nutritional foods like animal-based products they, they they pale in comparison so i think there's something that you know i kind of i kind of treat those foods as flavoring additives you know or you know something that's kind of maybe variety but the nutrition is coming from you know meat eggs you know in some cases dairy fish stuff like that yeah yeah well and, and chisholm and i have talked a lot on on this show about like just like how things like butter like we use a lot of butter in cooking and and even that's like frowned upon by a lot of quote health experts chisholm yeah <clears throat> um man i i don't even know where to start uh doc um <laughs> there is so much terrible information out there uh based like you pointed out on i guess bias biased science going back a long way um i've been listening to joe rogan for about as long as you've been a carnivore so certainly familiar with you and uh you know your work and all that especially through through you know his outlet but um some of the other people that he brings on talking about some of the things that you've touched on already like Cholesterol. If we could back up just a second, it, it's generally speaking, cholesterol just a number, and kind of more importantly, you know, the 
for people who can't quote control their cholesterol, according to their general practitioner, they want to put them on a statin. Is, is it not true that a statin basically just controls that number, but doesn't change really at all, uh, actual outcomes as far as, you know, uh, cardiovascular disease, heart attack, et cetera. Like you can take the statin, it'll be successful in reducing your cholesterol, but that doesn't necessarily change your health outcomes. Isn't that generally accurate? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's a pretty big topic, but I mean, I mean, there are what we call pleiotropic effects where, you know, the lowering the cholesterol, I mean, there's been a lot of drugs that have lowered cholesterol in, in the years prior and most of them had no impact on cardiovascular disease. Now, what they think is statins do have an impact, particularly in secondary prevention. That is, I've already had a heart attack. Now, what am I going to do, particularly if I'm a male? Um, then there's, a, there's, there's some utility in that. But, it, but it's thought to be because it has an anti-inflammatory effect. It's not its main effect, but the effect is through inflammation. And we think that uh, there's pretty good evidence that, that heart disease is actually basically chronic vascular inflammation that, that, you know, that's what's going on. That's what's kind of precipitating this disease. And so if you can control the inflammation, um, you can lessen the, the incidence of heart disease. And so statins, you know, I mean, if you look at the number needed to treat, you know, it's something like you have to treat many, 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 many people, you know, hundreds, even thousands before you even have one person is not having a heart attack, um, which is, you know, it's like, what about, the, you know, of, of those hundred people, how many of them have side effects, which are not tolerable for them, whether it's muscle, muscle pain or increased risk for diabetes or other things. And so it's kind of one of those things where it may not be beneficial. Again, it has to be nuanced. It has to be between you and your physician. But I think that as we get more and more information in my mind, in many other people's minds, and there's a lot of data to support that they become less and less attractive for, for various reasons. And um, there's better ways to prevent heart disease than, than, you know, I mean, none of us, I mean, this is just a basic principle that I go by. None of us are suffering from some drug deficiency. I mean, it's, 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 it's not, there's no, there's no one out here that's suffering from a metformin deficiency or a, a Prozac deficiency or anything like that. It's, you know, we have physiologic things that are broken that are going on that are caused by largely the environment that we're in. And, you know, some of it has to do with aging, but I mean, basically, um, that's a that's a situation. So to put to put a put a drug in there that has an effect and can you know it can it can move a number down. But what are the what are the what are the downsides to that? And we tend not to focus on those because, um, well, I mean, I think you know the last maybe two years where we've all been exposed to this sort of I don't know I want to call it a, a sort of a medical biosecurity state where, you know, it's, it's all about the pharmaceutical companies and, and they're, they're right no matter what. I mean, we, we, you're exposing what's going on and that's been going on forever. I mean, it's just gotten, you know, some people have, have, have sort of, I guess you'd call woken up to that fact, but that's been going on for, I mean, years. I mean, these guys are, you know, I mean, God bless them. I mean, they're there to make a profit and they're very good at it. I mean, they're, they're, they're really good businessmen. I mean, that's their job. Their job is not necessarily to, say the world i mean in fact i mean there was a there was a nice article i think came out recently looking at is curing people a sustainable business model you know this was this was a, a candid look from a ceo of one of these major drug companies and he basically said no it's not it's not a sustainable right. business model to cure people so you know what we want to do is you know kind of keep them <laughs> keep them still sick but provide a little bit of relief yeah yeah right chris, chris rock yeah, had so a, a, a joke about that like 20 years ago you know, that money is not in the cure, the money's in the medicine. Uh, how, how, I, 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 I'm glad you went to the 
current environment and the, and the chaos that we're seeing right now, I started to, I guess the scale started to fall from my eyes about the medical profession and I'm not sitting here denigrating it. You guys are awesome and mm-hmm. obviously highly educated and a good doctor is worth his her, or her weight in gold. But when we had our first child who's turned 13 on Sunday, um, my wife was just sort of like, you know, trust the OBGYN, turn it over to her completely. Give me the epidural. I don't want to be in pain. Right. And I was just sort of along for the ride on that one. We've had four and it did not go that way with the the next three. But um, my point is she had a, she, we were, she was induced like a week and a half after her due date. Right. And wasn't dilated at all yet. It just seemed like she wasn't ready to have a baby yet. And they were concerned that, oh, well, if you, if you get to 42 weeks, we might start having problems. So let's just have this procedure and do it this way. And long story short, they had to pull my daughter out with a suction cup while my wife was passing out in between contractions because they'd given her a hospital grade dose of Ambien at 10 PM. At the same time, they gave her this Cervidil suppository that was going to dilate her. And then three hours after they did that, she went into full blown labor in the middle of the night and was nine centimeters. Right. So she was literally falling asleep between contractions, did not a push. And it just sort of hit me like, well, they wanted to be able to schedule this, scrub in at 7 a.m., right? Knock this thing out, charge for all of these additional services that if we had just maybe waited three or four more days and she'd have gone into natural labor, we wouldn't have needed. You know, fast forward to today, to your point, you see what's happened over the last couple of years. I started learning about some of this information with regard to cholesterol and some of these other markers and the way we manage it. It's like, how... In your estimate, how sort of corrupted is the profession and how hard is it for like a general practitioner to really stay on top of evolving science on some of these topics, especially some of these really longstanding, you know, beliefs about things like cholesterol um, when there's there's new data coming out all the time. And, you know, any GP you go to in any you know decent sized city across America won't know your name from, you know, one quarter to the next because they've got. 500 you know, clients that they're, uh, patients that they're working on, like how bad of a systemic problem is it? And how do you see it ever really resolving, I guess, if at all? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I want to just say, I think most people go into medicine for the right reason. And there's, there's, there's a, a huge number of physicians that are, that are trying to do the best thing. And they, they, yeah. they, they really do. But the system really, really is set up to, um, work in a certain way. And it's, it's largely, you know, there's, there's, you know, each, all these major um, health organizations where it's American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association, or the, you know, all the, all the various ones, they basically have guidelines they want you to follow. And those guidelines are often prepared in, in, in conjunction with drug companies, which fund these. And so we have this huge influence from, from the pharmaceutical industry. There's no doubt about it. As my medical education was paid for, or developed in part by pharmaceutical companies. And so, I mean, you know, as a physician, you are married to the pharmaceutical industry. There's no way around that. And particularly if you're employed by a, by a hospital, which most physicians are now are employed by a health, health company, um, you, you have it. So your hands get become a little bit tied and you kind of get, you know, the other thing is, you know, it's, it's so much about volume now. I mean, you know, the typical visit is 15 minutes and, you know, probably half of that time is taken up by the doctor staring at the computer and entering data. And so, you know, it's, it's changed so dramatically from what it was even 20 or 20 years ago. Um, and so 
I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we're seeing right now with, you know, for instance, uh, with this pandemic response, I mean, physicians are told, hey, if you don't toe the line on everything we tell you, you're going to pull your license. And that's really not how you're supposed to practice medicine. I mean, the physician is supposed to make a nuanced decision based upon the person in front of them and their particular needs. And, you know, not everybody's the same. That's why you, that's why you talk to people and have inter- you know, interview people and you, you know, you want to see what's right for them and, you, and they're supposed to participate in the decision-making. It's a shared decision-making process is what, you know, we've been preaching for at least the last, you know, 15 years. And now it's like, well, you have no say in what your decision is around certain things. Um, I think that um, there is, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can fix a system from within. I think it's, I think it's irrevocably, um, you know, it's going to always be this way as long as pharmaceutical companies exist. And there's no, there's no evidence whatsoever that they're going to, they're, they're going to disappear anytime soon. I mean, they're too the big. government keeps giving them tens, if not well, hundreds of billions of dollars well, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, you look at it, if you look at the federal lobbying, there's, you know, what is it, you know, 500 and some congressmen, there's 1600 lobbyists from the drugs. So there's three lobbyists for every single per- member of Congress. I mean, that's insane. And so you've got, uh, you know, that level of, of influence over, over what the government, U.S. government does. Now, um, you know, like I said, I've got a company that, that we're, we are growing very rapidly that's going to be a different perspective. on Our goal is to get people off drugs. Our goal is to, um, you know, get people free of these diseases and actually, you know, try to cure these folks. And that's not something that we've discussed. You know, cure a cure is not on the agenda for most people it's you know how to, it, it's you know it's really disease management is what it's come down to and, and, and that's actually a, an accepted term within the industry disease management you know how do we manage your diabetes how do we manage your hypertension well we do that by you know putting you on these different pills maybe maybe there'll be some weak attempt at lifestyle but generally the goal is not to cure anybody you know once you have hypertension you have hypertension the rest of your life once you have diabetes you have diabetes once you have, once you have migraine headaches same thing. I mean, whatever you want to put in there from a chronic disease standpoint, uh, once you have, you know, uh, renal insufficiency, hey, you got progressive kidney disease. All of those things, by the way, are things I've seen go away. I mean, completely resolve and go away and, and quote unquote, either reverse or cure or whatever terminology you want to use. But that's not what uh, the healthcare system is, is set up to. You know, and part of that is, you know, we always know there's not a lot of money in that, uh, at least not direct money. You know, you know, if you, if you, take somebody who's depressed and make them not depressed. That's great for the person. The person appreciates it, but you've lost all that income. Now I would say there is money in that. And the fact that now this person, maybe their employer has saved, you know, $5,000 a year on medical costs. Maybe now they're more in a, a more productive employee. They're not taking sick days all the time. They're able to work. That's got to, that's going to have a financial benefit. So I think, you know, I think the argument that there's no way to, to make it financially lucrative or vi- viable is, is, is just shifting your perception of where the money's going from, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's no drug company or hospital entity that's going to make money, you know, directly on this stuff. You know, you know, it's not like, you know, like fee for so like when I would, when I would replace somebody's joint, you know, if somebody came in with, or, you know, fix their ACL or whatever, I mean, I'm generating literally, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for the hospital. You know I mean? It's like, you know, it's, it's the imaging, it's the MRI study, it's the physical therapy, it's, uh, you know, pre-op laboratory work, it's the OR bill itself. It's, you know, all the visits around that. So, I mean, that, that, that little episode of care is a lot. And so, you know, when you go from that to saying, Hey man, uh, instead of, 
doing all this stuff with your knee, you know, like say your knee replacement, hey, we can we can modify your lifestyle, put you on a new diet, you know, get you on some you know better sleep regimen, some exercise, and you don't need any of that stuff. You know, now now you just cost the hospital twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Are they going to be happy about that? No, they're not because they got to pay the light bills. And, you know, and, and that's something I ran into as a surgeon, which was something that opened my eyes up pretty wide, you know, several years ago. And that's been, you know, but, that, but that's the system right now. Unfortunately, it's, you know, I mean, there's some good things. If you break your leg and you got, you got your, you know, your femur sticking out of your thigh. Yes. Yeah. Please take me to the hospital you know, and you're going to get treated. You know, you're going to treat, you're going to get the best care you can. But I mean, if you're, if you're tired, depressed, you know, whatever, whatever, chronic sort of thing, the, the, the care is really, really not particularly good in my view. It is a two-way street though, right? I mean, we, it's easy to point the finger at uh, the influence of big pharma, but at the end of the day, patients also have to take ownership of their lifestyle, right? They have to take the advice of a guy like you and have the discipline to carry it out, right? It's a hell of a lot easier to take a statin in the morning than to eat clean all day long, right? Yeah, and, and, the, and then you watch TV and what the the Chisholm and I rip on The View. Isn't it called in The View, the morning show with Whoopi and all that? Sure. Who, like, now uh, celebrities that want to get in shape, they they say, oh, now you're, 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 they're fat shaming them for getting skinny. They're like, no, we, we like too fat. Man. Like, oh, well, I actually give a shit about my health. Like, Adele lost all this weight. And they're like, well, Adele is now anti-fat. Like, no, she's pro-healthy. You know, it's like two plus two equals four. We say that a lot on this show. I've seen it personally. My physician, I went to Africa this summer on a hunting trip, and he told me if I didn't get vaccinated, I was risking my life. And I've had COVID. Chisholm's had COVID. I believe you've had COVID as well, Doc. Um, right. You know, I was like, yeah, I none, have of us, natural none of us, we all survived. Yeah. Yeah. And I, have, I was like, I have natural immunity. I'm not getting the shot. He's like, well, you're, you're risking your life today. My son and I went and got tested for allergies. Like, I had allergies as a kid, did allergy shots. I see he's going through the same thing. He's like miserable. All pollen, trees, he's allergic to everything I was. We're doing the thing, getting the, the prick on our back. And this, this guy, brand new doctor, never met this allergist. He's 66 years old. He's like, uh, yeah, we, oh, my physician's never seen anyone in person, Dr. Baker. He's only doing virtual calls. Ever since the pandemic, still to this day, this allergist, 66 years old, he's like, we never closed. Like, my wife and I got COVID. We had mild symptoms. He's like, don't get the shot. He's like, there's way too many negative side effects, um, which we've talked about in detail on here, which brings me to my next point. Are you being, because you have, I don't know, you have 200 something thousand followers, maybe more. I don't know how many you have a lot. Have you been shadow banned? Are people having a hard time finding your content? And I'm not, I don't ask you this because of the carnivore diet. I ask you because you've certainly been red pilled. You're you're as unwoke as it gets. You post stuff about the government taking our rights away. About be a good little citizen, get your shot, be a sheep. The, social media doesn't like that, Doctor Baker. And no, they try to, no, they, they, try no to, they clearly, yeah, yeah, yeah they don't. Right. I mean, I mean, right, you know, right now, I mean, like I said, I've got, you know, essentially, I guess two hundred thousand people on Instagram. I've been shadow banned on there for probably a year. I mean, it's hard to yeah. find me for most people. It's to, they got to search my name. It's that, that's been going on for a long time. YouTube, you know, I've got about 150, like 7,000 people on that. I just got suspended again for the third time, you know, over just nonsense. I mean, it was just, it was just like, you know, I was pointing out what's going on in Australia where, you know, they're taking some of these Aboriginal people, rounding them up and they're taking, you know, just, just contact trace people that don't even have symptoms and aren't the test negative and they're still throwing them in their little 
quarantine camp and they took and some kids escaped you know three kids escaped because they were like they were pulled out of their homes thrown in this camp you know told they're going to be there for two weeks maybe i mean they don't know if that's going to be accurate or not taken away from their friends their family their food their culture and put out in the middle of nowhere and they escaped and the people are like why there was no justification for them to escape i'm like there's every justification in the world <laughs> you know if you're thrown in a place for no crime. I mean, it's like, you know, the crime was what I knew a guy, I was in a building where a guy tested positive for COVID and that's my crime. I mean, it's just insane. And so I posted that and, and it was, it was a, uh, it was the Aboriginal folks, you know, decrying this and saying, this is, this is unacceptable. This is a human rights violation. And, and, and in there, they, they, they said, well, we, we don't want to take this poison medicine. You know, that's, that's their opinion. I, I didn't, you know, confirm or deny that, but they, they said that is medical information. We're going to give you a strike in your channel and you're banned for two weeks. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I guess I'm four days into another two week ban. So it's, so that's going on. I got kicked off Twitter permanently. Um, and then, you know, it, it was like six months ago in June, my Twitter account was completely shut down and we got a new one started up. We just kind of got a new phone and said, fuck you guys. We're going to just get back on there anyway. And then, about two weeks ago, I got a message from Twitter said, Hey, we're going to unsuspend your permanently suspended original account for whatever. I don't know what it's for. I mean, maybe, maybe they're going to use it to track people that follow me <laughs> and compile a list. I don't know. could be the case, but, but it's been funny. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is literally insane. Insane. When you have, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a physician. I, you know, I was board certified. I was, you know, you know, top of my class in medical school, uh, you know, effectively. And, um, you know, practice for, for a long time. And now I have some journalism major censoring my medical content. I mean, it's just, it's just an insane world we live in, you know, that, that uh, uh, we have that. And, you know, like I said, I think it's important that uh, all of us just say, Hey, we're not going to put up with this crap, you know, because if we don't, I mean, you know, like I said, you're building a, you're literally building a prison for your children. You know, if yeah. you don't, if you, if you agree to this stuff and, you know, like I said, I don't care if someone gets a vaccine, if, if it makes sense for you, please do so, you know, if it makes, and you discuss it with your physician and there are people where it makes sense to me. I mean, immunocompromised older, elderly people, but I mean, to take somebody who's young and healthy and free of comorbidities and has almost, you know, a, a lightning strikes chance of being really sick. It's like, well, I don't think I need that. And I, you know, and, and I, you know, like I said, my, my assumption was if I got it, it would be mild and I'd get through it and be fine. And my assumption was correct as was probably your guys's. Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, the average age of death is something like 80. So, I mean, it's like, it's already life expectancy. It's past the life expectancy, which is kind of, you know, crazy when you think about it. And so, I mean, particularly now that you're, I do. I have a nine-year-old boy that's turned nine, right? And he had yeah. COVID, and he went. He said, "I mean, for him, it was like he sneezed three times, and 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 you know, said he, you know he felt bad for like fifteen minutes. I mean, that was his COVID." You know? Right, right. Our but, kids had uh, COVID, yeah, he, and they were yeah. so sick that we never knew they had COVID. Like, because my wife and I right. had immunity. Well, they went back to school, right. and then we entered in this um, Texas health study where they test your antibodies three times over six months. So we're like, okay, well, yeah. my wife and I know we're going to have it. The kids all popped with rock, like sky high antibodies. So they had gone back to school, right. gotten COVID. We never knew they had it. And now the fucking mm -hmm. government has bought enough shots to vaccinate every five to 11 year old in the country. It's like, right. what are we? Doing? Yeah. Yeah. Courtesy of our tax dollars, too, by the way. You know, they're, 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 that, that's not free. We're paying for it anyway. So it's kind of, yeah. Kind of insane. Yeah. I saw I, New I, York City posted to uh, the New York City mayor decided today. 
every mm-hmm. private sector business person has to be vaccinated. Yeah. Every five to 11 year old child has to be vaccinated to eat in a public uh, restaurant. Like, un- un- like, unbelievable. Like, you can't, you're five years old, you can't go into the effing McDonald's and get a happy meal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess the silver lining of that, he's out of office on January 1st. And I think the new guy's going to probably roll that back, hopefully. But I mean, yeah, de Blasio is, in my view, he's a moron. I mean, he's just, he's just awful. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I saw that came out. I think, I think, you know, I mean, that basically says that something like 45% of the African-Americans, 40% of the Hispanic people and 35% of the, 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 the Caucasians won't have a job in New York. I mean, you think about that, that how discriminatory is that? I mean, that's, that's just, that's insanity. But anyway, all of it's insane. All of it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, you, you need to, you know, like I said, I think, I think you just have to throw these clowns out of office and, and, you know, and, and, you know, that's going to be a litmus test going forward. You know, if you're, if you're pro tyranny, then you don't, you don't dissolve, you don't deserve to be in, in this country anyway. I mean, you know, like I said, you know, obviously, I mean, the, the tough pill to swallow is, you know, we have the second amendment here and uh, you know, that's, that's that's a tough tough one to get around because you know like i said we've got 400 million weapons in the united states states you know 100 million of us are armed or something like that i can't remember the exact stats on that and so you don't have a you know you can't just march in and demand people do stuff because unlike know, australia and this is what you know they gave their guns up in the 90s and here we well, are. yeah i mean when they gave up their they gave up their certain guns i mean i think yeah. you, i think some of them still like farmers and ranchers still have some weapons but i mean by and large most of the population has been been disarmed for no sure automatic weapons and, they, they don't have yeah i don't know what the, yeah, the exact stuff in australia but yeah i mean and you know they're in and, and you know you see that you know you you see people a million people protesting 1.2 million people protesting in a country of I think they're 25 million people. Well, no, you that don't is a see it. Huge... That's the problem. Well, I mean, you, I see it. I mean, I see it. You don't see it on. You don't see it on. You don't see it on CBS or anything like. But but it's happening. Yeah. And I mean, to you know, just to get, if 1.1 million people, 1.1 million, 1 million people are willing to get out there and protest, there's probably five people for every one of them that's actually doing it that feel the same way. So you know, that's an unpopular type of thing. And uh, you know, hopefully. Uh, you know, people will take notice of this. You know, I, you know, I think that the biggest thing we're seeing in the U.S. is why we're seeing these, you know, obviously all the, all the federal courts are throwing out the mandates that Biden is trying to try to force in the country. But you're seeing because his popularity rating is tanking so bad, everybody's kind of distancing themselves from that. And whoa, whoa, maybe this isn't a good idea. And that's the only reason if his popularity were staying high then we would be it would be even more draconian here in the U.S. than it is. You know, we we might get to this. Australia or Austria or Germany level thing where they're just going to force mandate everybody like Australia and Germany are proposing Austria for sure has said, you know, we're going to, we're going to force everybody. Uh, and if you don't get that, we're going to fine you some ridiculous money. And if you don't pay your, pay your fines, we can throw you in prison for up to a year. That's, that's <laughs> literally, that's, I mean, that's literally insane. I mean, that's, yeah. and then they're having that, you know, for like, you know, like I said, we all, honestly, the three of us, we've all had this and recovered, have better immunity. We're immunized. We have better, probably better, better immunity than, you know, anybody that's got a vaccine, particularly after a certain period of time, you know, we're seeing now the booster shots, which we're hearing, you know, there's data coming out of Israel. This, this was released. It's showing the same exact things happen with the booster shot. The, the efficacy starts to wane very rapidly. So you, you know, you get this temporary increase in your antibodies, which isn't the whole 
immune system. It's only part of that. And it might give you a little bit more protection for, for a few weeks or, you know, or something like that. But you can't just keep doing that endlessly. You know, it's just, it just doesn't, I mean, pharma, you know, Pfizer would love it. You know, if you took, if you had week, weekly boosters or monthly boosters, you know, they'd be, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, pro- they're already going to make, they're already, um, you know, I think they're going to be, I don't know what the numbers are on this, but they're, you know, there, there's something in the, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in profit already on this stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you about Bill Gates. He's the largest agricultural landowner in North America now. Yeah. He's also a huge investor in fake meat companies, lab-grown meats, mm-hmm. Beyond Meats, you know, get your soy patty here. Uh, my kids think that's ridiculous. We, so do Chisholm's. Like, yeah. we eat a ton of wild game, love steak, obviously, red meat. Uh, they see those packaging and they're like, how do they get away with even calling that a, a burger? So, number one, it's, it's got to be alarming. It is uh, and concerning that Bill Gates owns the most farmland now in the country. Number two, what is the, regula- like the regulatory process on making fake meat like, and, and lab-grown meat specifically? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, the fake, you know, the, the plant-based meat, which is the Beyond Burger, the Impossible Burger, and, and some of the other knockoffs of that, you know, these are, you know, soybeans or, or pea protein and some kind of oil, canola oil or soybean oil or something like that, and a bunch of 25 other garbage ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, there's certain states that I think, I think I want to say like Missouri and a few other ones have passed laws that saying they cannot call that meat. It's illegal. And, and I think that's, you're going to see more of that where they have to, they have to call it something else because it's deceptive. You know, they stick, you know, they stick it, you know, particularly like if you just get the hamburger, the, the, the fake hamburger, and it's just in a little square packet, like you also often get that, mm-hmm. that, you know, because it's a similar color and it's designed to look the same. You could, I, I could see where people could get fooled and actually buy the wrong stuff and not know what they're eating. But um, you know, that's, that's something that's, that's, uh, you know, clearly, um, if you look at the beyond meat stock ticker, I mean, their, their numbers have gone down significantly. I mean, you know, they're seeing, they, they've not, they've yet to post a, a single profit in any quarter. I mean, they've, they've been losing money on every single, every single quarter they've lost money. So I think somewhere said it costs them for every dollar 50 they spend, they get, they get a dollar back, you know, on the product. And so they're basically losing money hand you know hand over fist and there's you know part of that is there's more people entering the market perhaps but i mean i think most people have decided that we're not going to eat this garbage we realize it's ultra processed crap it's not a replacement for meat the the, the, the demand for meat worldwide has actually gone up in the last several years it's not going anywhere people I me mean, because people still value it and particularly as the world um you know the, the, the nations that we're developing become more wealthy they're going to want meat i mean that's just what's happening so we're seeing that across china parts of africa other parts of asia where you know more wealth is being you know uh, accumulated in those countries so the meat meat demand is going up but you know with bill gates owning that stuff yeah i mean he he is calling on the record saying he thinks everybody should be eating synthetic meat in the west Right. And this is an interesting thing. There was a there was a recent pretty significant analysis on the lab grown meat because a lot of people are like, are like I don't want to eat that fake plant crap. It's all processed food, and, and they understand. But a lot of people are like, well, you know, if they can grow it from cells and it's really meat, I'll eat that. That's also garbage. I mean, I, I and, and you know, one is I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that um, that are just bad for the environment. It's 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 probably more fossil fuel intense to do that than it is just to, to raise cows. And, you know, you, you can't just feed those lab cells 
I mean, what do they grow with? They got to be, they got to be fed something. So what are they feeding them? They're feeding them, feed, feeding them protein and glucose and other growth factors. Where's the protein coming from? What's coming from soybeans? It's coming from peas. And so they're growing all these giant crops just to do it. And it's less efficient than if you had an animal in the first place, because the animal is going to be more efficient. But the thing that this big, huge analysis showed is because, and there's a lot of problems with it. You know, first of all, you got to use fetal bovine serum. So you have to take a pregnant cow, slaughter it, take the fetus out, suck blood out of its heart, you know, and then use that serum to grow the cells. And that's a lot of people have an ethical problem with that. And you got to continue doing it. It's just like one drop. You got to continually replace, replenish that fluid. So you got to keep killing all these baby fetuses, Jeez. or cow fetuses rather. And then, and then beyond that, you have to um, grow the stuff and you have to feed them all the soybeans and corn isolates and all that stuff. So there's all this massive amount of farming that goes into these things. And then you have to keep these things completely sterile because they don't have an immune system. A glob of cells doesn't have an immune system. So if one virus, one bacteria, one fungus gets in there, it's a disaster. It shuts down the whole process. And so, uh, but the thing that really, uh, you know, was, was something that opened my mind up is they said, you know, if you, if you put something in a little Petri dish, you know, you can grow a little plate of cells and you get, you know, whatever, a million cells in a little dish. And then you can't just transfer it to a giant bioreactor. It doesn't work that way. The, 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 the biologics, the physiology doesn't work. So you've got to put them from this Petri dish to a gallon sized jug. And then that gallon size has to be a five gallon size jug. I mean, you keep doing it. So you have to grow, transfer, transfer, transfer. And I, I saw somewhere to do it at the scale, which would, you know, replicate meat, they would have to have like a series of 168 stepped up bioreactors before they got to the big one, before they could grow that. And so every time you transfer, sterility is an issue. So if there's one friggin' bacteria floating around in the air and you're transferring this thing 168 times, you know, and, and you get one contamination, you have to shut down the entire reactor, you have to turn it offline, you have to do this huge scrub out clean out process, all those reactors, you know, have to be climate controlled, they have to be held at an exact temperature. So heating and air conditioning, depending on the time of year, extremely cost costly. So they so no one, I mean, really, no one thinks that it's even going to be scalable at any level. And so it's kind of like a, all these venture capitalists that have thrown in, you know, you know, 20, 20 million, $50 million into these companies are, are rapidly realizing we're not going to get a return on investment because it's not going to be a possibility. That's what I, that, that's what the finance and the realities uh, of the things are going to be. So I don't think that's going to come to fruition, but there is, uh, you know, like Tufts University got a $10 million grant from the U S government to study this, to see if they can make it happen. There's still people that are trying to do this. Um, and the USDA has determined that they are going to regulate this cell cultured meat under the guise of, you know, the meat industry. So they're going to have some specific things they have to do. And it's, it, it makes it harder for them. So my, my belief is it's not, is not going to come to fruition. It's not going to be a reality at scale. There might be some fringe places that can do it on small scales and some people do that. But to think it's going to replace the entire meat industry is not viable and so you know you either decide hey i'm gonna go, go eat this hyper processed you know plant stuff and that's going to be my source of protein or you're gonna you're gonna eat you know you're gonna continue to eat meat you know meat is a 1.5 trillion dollar industry it's it's huge globally and you know it's it's not going to go away i mean it says you're not going to turn off a you know a trillion dollar industry like you know three years by somebody giving you fake fake meat burgers so i don't i don't think that's going to go away anytime soon now they may try to tax it, you know, they may try to, you know, through, through, uh, 
uh, trade agreements and regulatory stuff and all that stuff. They may make it harder and harder and make it harder on the ranchers. You know, the, you know, we, we what we're seeing is you guys know we've got the the COVID pandemic crisis, which is transitioning into the climate crisis. They're kind of they're kind of they're kind of conditioning everybody to be be in crisis mode, and you know everything's emergency. We get emergency powers, and I'm not going to eat a hamburger because it's causing a public health emergency. They're they're trying to you know they're trying to call climate change uh, racist. They're trying to call, call it a public health emergency now. Anything they can, any language they can, to allow for these draconian, uh, totalitarian um, measures is what you know what they want to do. And it's it's you know it's it's you know whether we let them do it or not. And that's a part of it is whether we let them. And I think you know part of that is these people have just wanted to say, hey, just leave me the f alone. I'll go I'll go live on my ranch and hunt, and I won't mess. The, the time for those people to. to to continue to do that is past. You have to, you have to, cause you might be able to hide for five years, but eventually they're going to find you. And, and, you know, there's some people that are saying that land ownership is bad. We shouldn't have the, the opportunity to own land. The government should own everything and we should all be, you know, given an equitable amount of stuff that's that, we, that the government deems is adequate for you and I, and everybody has the same stuff, you know, the same outcome, you know, no matter how hard you work or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, obviously what that does is it stifles, stifles all ingenuity, all creativity, all you know, entrepreneurship. And so you end up with, you know, eventually something like North Korea, you know, so maybe, maybe North Korea with a little bit more luxury accommodations, but, but effectively the same thing. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. Shizm, what did you have think on that, to expand on that? Uh, <laughs> first thing I want to say is just, uh, kindred spirit man we're we're seeing the same world clearly yeah does it even matter what we do in north america as long as china and india don't give a shit about the environment like oh yeah well i mean you know obviously there's people that that will say that the anthropogenic you know anthropogenic model is 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 irrelevant anyway because it has to do with volcanoes and solar temperatures and that stuff and so those those people are out there and i again i'm not a climate expert i don't know i mean honestly i'll I'll say i don't know i don't know the answer i mean i can't look out the window and say yeah well i mean that's you know what you think and what's real is is two different things we don't know i mean maybe you're right maybe you're wrong but i mean the thing with health is i mean when people are telling me some health bullshit I can look in the mirror and, and know when I'm healthy or not. It's not hard for me to figure that out, but I can't look out the window and say, Oh my God, the climate is changing. I can't, I mean, I know the weather's there. I mean, it's cold because it's, it's freaking December, but I can't like say, Oh yes, it's the, 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 this is melting. And that, I mean, the seas are rising. I can't confirm that with my own eyes. So it's hard for me to know. So you have to rely on other people and, and, and whether you find them believable or not. But I think, you know, it's true. I mean, you know, if, if we've got, I mean, I saw that, uh, what was it? Uh, China's pollution, you know, I think that the amount of pollution that China puts out or, or, or greenhouse gases that China puts out is like 27% of the world's output. And I think it was more than the United States, Western, you know, all of Europe, all of Western Europe, Brazil, and uh, Australia combined. I mean, and that's, you know, these are all the climate change people. So China, China by itself does that. Now, part of the issue is, you know, China is the world's factory. And if you go to China, I mean, it's polluted, it's dirty, the, the air quality is awful, people live in that. But that's, you know, because they've decided to do the economic thing uh, to, to try to boost their economics, they've said, we're going to be the world's factory. And, you know, I mean, if you look at the coal production, I, I think China 
coal power plant is just wrapping up like crazy. I mean, they're 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 just going all, all crazy on that because they're 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 saying we're gonna we're gonna be an economic powerhouse where you guys shut down your economy to virtue signal about you know like the you know the disaster with the shutting down the Keystone pipeline and you know and and now we don't we we don't have enough friggin' oil like Joe Biden's begging the Russians and begging OPEC for oil. I mean, it's just it's insanity. I mean, you know, it's kind of like I don't know craziness. I got the stickers. I leave them on the pumps. <laughs> what up, <laughs> Doctor Baker? Yeah, how did have, you? Yeah. Sorry, uh, I was going to ask, how did you, how did you first start down the road towards, I guess, sort of developing the carnivore diet, or at least being one of the you know most prominent proponents of it? Like, what, what was sort of the red pill moment, so to speak, to get you looking at that historical knowledge, historical studies, and, and data, in, in sort of a different light, and at the and the, sure. similarly. At what point in your, say, I don't know how long it's been, at what point did you start to have a similar awakening to what's going on in this world with this, with this uh, basically Marxism yeah. that has gripped the country and all these different population control mechanisms that we've been talking about? Like, did those coincide almost, coincide almost perfectly? Did one come before the other? Yeah, well, I mean, there was a there was a couple things. So, I mean, with regard to diet, I mean, I, I you know, I read one particular book, Gary Taubes' book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, which just kind of opened my mind up to the how poor nutrition science is you know like if, if, if you look at like if a physicist or a math person or an engineer looks at the, the nutrition literature they're going to laugh and say this isn't real science so that opened my mind up to that that i was saying hey we maybe maybe this stuff is not doing it and so then as i went and tried some dietary stuff and i saw that hey when i did stuff that they told me i shouldn't do my health got better as a physician i'm like well this is kind of weird so then that kind of opened my mind up to that. And then, you know, then I just kind of progressed and then I kind of started, you know, just seeing a whole bunch of people trying, you know, a carnivore style diet. They called it a zero carb diet back then. And some people still do that. And I was just like, well, you know, this, this is something that sounds a little crazy, but I'm willing to try it. So I tried it, got great results. And then, you know, then with the healthcare system, I saw, you know, with my own practice, you know, when, when I, when I was changing my own diet and seeing health, I said, well, you know, it sounds like a pretty good thing to try my own patients and, you know, try to offer them an opportunity. And I was starting to see the same thing. People were losing weight, their joint pain. You know, I had people on the, on the, on the operating room schedule for a knee replacement. I'd see them back, you know, two weeks later to get, you know, to do their pre-op physical. And they were like, doc, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm like, well, shit, you don't need a surgery. We're not going to do a surgery if you need it and hurt. So I was canceling surgeries. And then I got the wind that the hospital didn't like that because it was cutting into their bottom dollar, like we talked about in the beginning. So that kind of opened my mind up to, you know, as long as you play the game, and I was doing that really well. I mean, I was like, I was a surgeon. I was, I was the busiest. I literally, I was the busiest surgeon in the entire hospital. I did more operations than anybody else because I was priding myself on working hard, working efficient, not quitting and go, 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 and never saying no. And, you know, but then I realized, and, and, and when that was going on, I was on billboards, I was on best doctor in town, radio ads, hospital loved me. But the second I said, hey, wait a minute, let me take a day a week and just kind of counsel people on a lifestyle. <sighs> Blocked. No way. You can't do that. We were paying you to operate on people. That opened my mind that, you know, this is all about money, which, you know, and I think I was 40 something when I discovered that, which should, I should have known that before that, but I was kind of naive. I just kind of was under the basic operation principle of people are trying to do good things and help people, which 
you know, some people still do, but, but then, you know, with regard to this, this latest stuff about, you know, uh, you know, as a physician, you know, when I would consult somebody for, or when I would consent somebody for a surgical procedure or whatever, or an injection or whatever I was doing to them, um, some people didn't want it, you know, I, you know, we go, we go over the risks and benefits. And even though in my mind, I knew this was going to help you. And this is probably the best thing for your situation. There are people, despite that would say, Hey doc, for whatever reason, I don't want it. And I, I would respect that decision. You know, I mean, that's part of what the informed consent. But so when I saw this recent stuff where they're saying, um, you have to do this. I mean, these mandates or physicians being threatened with their license, if they don't force this on people, and an informed consent process being completely eroded. I mean, you cannot have informed consent if you're being coerced. I mean, if, if you're, you know, taking an injection because your job depends on it, that is not informed consent. And that, you know, that basically goes into, you know, basic doctor-patient relationship. Some people would extrapolate that to things like, you know, the Nuremberg, you know, Nuremberg Code and stuff like that, which right now, I guess there's a gal who's president of the European Union is saying we need to suspend the, the, the Nuremberg Code so we can force medicate all these people it's just it's just i mean it just goes against every every principle i've ever had as a physician i don't care something you know if these vaccines were 100 percent effective and 100 percent safe i would still say it's your choice i mean I, that's just that's just the way it is and we know they're not 100 percent effective they wear off we know they're not 100 percent safe because there are people having side effects and you can argue about the frequency and how rare or not it is but you need to have a, you know, you need to have choice on that. And that's, that's something that I, it, it's just was ingrained for me from the day I, you know, you know, put on my white coat as a doctor. I mean, it was never something that I even considered, but now we're having, you know, physicians because they're scared, you know, they're, they're like, well, if I don't do this, they're going to suspend my hospital privileges or they're going to fire me. And I've got, a, I've got a big house and a big mortgage and a wife and three kids. And I still owe $200,000 in student loans you know, they're kind of screwed. And so it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there's, uh, you know, I mean, you'd like to think that doctors are heroes and, and they're, they've got your best interest in mind, but I mean, they're under this, you know, they're, they have to, like anybody, they're going to protect their own interest ahead of yours. And, and it's unfortunate they're being put in that situation because of this. And, you know, I mean, really the drug companies run, run medicine for the most part. And that's, that's the reality of the, the you know, the they're like right the, the doctors are like the front lines of compliance. They comply, and then they, you know, the re result is everyone else has to comply. Like, you know. well, I mean, it's you know, I mean, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, you see some physicians that are out there, ER physicians and others, saying, "Hey, I'm seeing a lot of negative outcomes and a lot of side effects." And other ones are are like saying, well, it can't be that we've been trained to say it's not. We're not allowed to say that. We're not allowed to. Read. We're not allowed to to question these things. And I mean, it's it's just unfortunately more more of them are, um, you know, just doing, you know, going alone and get along. You know, these people that are complying and, and just so they don't ruffle the feathers. And they're like, you know, if I just, you know, where you see it, you know, if I just kind of go along with this and it's going to go away. Um, you know, and, and next year will be better and get back to normal. But, but you, as you guys know, I mean, once they take it, it's not coming back. And the next thing is okay, because you know there's going to be some other healthcare illness, or you know, they're what you know they're probably going to say, well, we've got a way to detect if you have cancer, or you're, you're maybe you're going to get cancer. There's some some advanced tests where we can look at this and say, based on that, we have a vaccine that will potentially 
mitigate your risk for cancer and you're going to be forced to take that or you're going to, you know, I mean, it's, you, you can see where this never ends. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where for your own good, for the good of the, the population, you must do this and comply. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, like I said, I think we should, we should just completely push back against that with everything we can and do it by all legal means necessary. And if we exhaust that, we exhaust that. And then you, you know, you do it, you do what you need to do. Yeah. yeah. You've read 1984. I take it. A long time ago. Yeah. yeah. We, we reviewed <laughs> yeah, that we last year. It's, it's worth reading again. And it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Really yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, the premise of it, or, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like somebody said, make, make, make Huxley fiction again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we need to read, he's talking about Aldous Huxley cable. We need to read a brave new world. Uh, and a brave new world. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Point as well. Cause it's, that's on the list. You're, some people say it's the like first person that's recommended, yeah. but yeah, I'm def- we should definitely review that one. Yeah. Um, Dr. Baker, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you for that. Thank you for your service as well. Um, if you want to give your social media and uh, YouTube outlets so people can follow you, I know you're in YouTube jail, but uh, give all that stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 um, that expires on December 17th, I think. I'm going to see if I can, you know, go a couple months without getting a strike. We'll see how lucky I get. Um, so first and foremost, you know, Rivera.com, I'm there every single day doing a Zoom meeting with the entire community. You're welcome to join. You can hop in for free and you can be just if you want to have a you know, one-on discussion or, you know, direct video chat, which I think is nice. You can find me there, Rivero.com. Um, I, my, my Instagram is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, one, nine, six, seven. Uh, Twitter, I am S Baker MD. Uh, YouTube, it's just Sean Baker. I think that's probably, I, I started a little TikTok thing, but I'm just, TikTok's too much of a cesspool for me, quite honestly. Right. Man, I look right. at that stuff and, uh, I you know, I got a little bit of that, I, but I, don't, I, I think I posted pictures of steaks on there, basically. So nothing, but but I mean Twitter, YouTube, and uh, and and YouTube generally, what I'll try to do is I put a couple of little short videos out every day. It's just like two three minutes, nothing. I don't spend like six hours editing videos. It's just me, just kind of whatever's on the top of my mind. I might be commenting on something that's topical. See, people seem to like the short to the point things, and so I tend to do that um, as well, and so. But yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Well, we Just certainly appreciate it. Clarify it, Rivero.com. That's R-E-V as in Victor E-R-O, right? Dot com. Right. Yep. R-E-V-E-R-O. Yeah, Rev Arrow. Perfect. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Doctor. Thanks again. We'll send you one of our unwoke t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely all right, yeah, it's nice, it's all right just nice right. meeting you guys yeah, you take too. care and uh you, Sean. stay strong guys we'll talk to you later bye-bye all right you too. thanks man. you're right he is on woke as fuck i love it <laughs> yeah yeah he tells it like it is dude <laughs> he's on all the same i could have talked to him for two hours rabbit trails I, I only man. told him 45 minutes and i didn't want him to I don't want. I don't like when the guest feels like okay, these guys are keeping me past what they said. And sure. If they're really enjoying the conversation, which I don't think that he wasn't, but you yeah. know, I just want to be respectful of what what we yeah, talked right. about. Do what? Yeah, I, I I said right on. I hear you. I would maybe shoot him an email saying, "Hey man, we could have talked to you the rest of the day, but we wanted to respect your time. Sorry yeah. for cutting it off." Yeah. Right on. Um. Okay. Uh. Let's do a little wrap here. <clears throat> well, let's just do a reflection. Okay. So Chisholm, what did you, what were your, uh, I know you, you actually, I think turned me on to Sean 
the first time you heard him on Joe Rogan and said, "Hey, check out this carnivore diet." That's a couple of years ago, and then I it's been I, a while. so I had Sean on my other show. And I was like, you know what? We got just following along into social media and seeing how unwoke as fuck he really is. I was like, we got to just have him on the show. So, uh, what was it? What you expected? I know you probably. I don't even know if you were following him on Instagram, so you might not have seen all the stuff that that he posts on a regular basis. That's more yeah. than just steak, right? No, yeah, I wasn't. Um, I was aware of him, uh, as you point out, and have been for a while, but didn't realize how much, you know, how how far beyond just the the carnivore diet thing, uh, his his public persona went, right? Like. You know, you described him as, as you said, unwoke as F. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's definitely that. He's saying oh, across the board all the same exact stuff we are and seeing all the same pitfalls. And it's kind of interesting, you know, that he, uh, it sounds like his awakening with regard to um, the, 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 the system that controls medical science led him to you know, start questioning basically everything. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are going to fall in his coming prior to COVID. Right. But I think there's a lot of people who the last two years have been red pilled by what is happening in this country, uh, right. Or in the world, really in the, in the world, all of these things that you and I were talking about personally, before we started the podcast, um, that I think, you know, over the last six, seven, eight years, we've kind of been getting educated on some of the things that, you know, conservative uh, talk show hosts and things have been warning about for years. It's like they're all coming to a head with this one issue right now and things that people have been predicting and been called conspiracy nut job, theory, you know, nut jobs for over the last few years. They're doing it right. Like even some things that just like a year ago, like last fall, when we were nine months into this thing, instead of 20 months into this thing that would, you know, you would say like, Oh, vaccine passports and computer chips or, you know, microchips implanted into your arm and, uh, you know, quarantine camps and any of this stuff that, you know, this time a year ago, they were like, Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist nut job. We're just going to crank out some vaccines and everything will be fine. And then it's like, Oh, in Sweden, they're putting microchips in people's arms and in California and in, uh, Canada and Australia, they're putting people in concentration camps. And like he pointed out, a lady who some lady for the EU for the EU wants to suspend the Nuremberg code uh, in order to forcibly vaccinate people. It, there's however crazy you think it is, it's crazier than that. That's yeah. just all there is to it, right? And and it is, you know, he he said something that I'd made a note about that, you know, he he should have known it was always all about the money. He did know, right? We always we all of us with a brain throughout most of our adulthood have known that money drives the bus globally, but especially in this country. Right. But if you're a professional of any type, whatever job you have, but especially I think somebody who's in a, in a, in a, in an advisory capacity, whether that's a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you want to look at your profession and, you know, be able to hold your head up high that you're doing something honorable and admirable. Right. And, yeah, we know the drug companies have a little bit of an outsized influence, but by and large, all these people are, you know, trying to do the best they can, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it's, he, he said he should have known these things. 
you can't really understand. You can say, oh, it's all about money. But until you've seen it from the inside and seen how that money flows and in his case, seen how it personally affected him when he started healing people with nutrition instead of orthoscopic surgeries and got basically in trouble for it. Like that's when you start to see the forest for the trees. Right. And I think, I just hope everybody will really dive into what Fauci, the everybody has, and we're going to review this book. You've got to read or listen to Robert F. Kennedy's book that just came out in the last few weeks, the real Anthony Fauci. It is shocking what this psychopath i'll call him that um have you already read it yeah i've i I listened to it uh about three weeks ago like all weekend in a deer blind it's it's shocking dude um i'll i'll re-listen to it when you get ready to crank it out because it's so packed with detailed information about his career going back to the 80s to try to summarize it to try to cherry pick from it i mean one point i'll make i may have said this on the last episode episode though in his 40 something year career as chief of the niaid he has signed off on 980 billion dollars worth of research funding to universities to private companies to private research labs for the development of these experimental drugs especially vaccines almost a trillion dollars. That's why this man owns the whole industry. Like we said, big pharma owns the whole industry. That's not really true. Fauci owns the whole industry, man. Like, I mean, it's both right They're They're a team, but it, it is all about money, which translates to power. None of what they're doing makes sense. Um, I would have liked to have talked to him some more about the actual carnivore diet, but you know, He's just as confused by what's going on in the world right now as we are. So it's hard to. I, I want to go back to another. something that gave me hope. And so going to this allergist today, and I have this premonition of I'm looking at this old guy. I'm going to say he's between 60 and 66 years old, mid 60s, maybe. Gray hair, nice dude, thinking. I'm just judging him by how old he is. I'm like, he's probably vaccinated. So that's probably not a topic that I want to bring up. No, he brought it up. It was like, like he was very comfortable talking about it. He brought it up. I was like, yeah, don't be getting that vaccine. You know, it's like, um, I was like, yeah, but you're, you're not a spring chicken. You know, that's like my initial thought. He's like healthy guy, 60, whatever. No problems. It's like, He's like, and he's the one that brought up, he's like, there are so many side effects coming out now. Just like, like Sean said, these physicians that he's seeing coming and saying, Hey, there's way more side effects than we knew about. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa you, you can't talk about that. You know? So yeah, man. it uh, gave me, it gave me hope to see an, an older doctor speak up on what is, what's really truth. Hey, get it. If you need it. Like Sean said, not anti. If you if it makes sense for you, do it. But he's advising me. Not my, this is my just met this dude, and this comes up on the first day. Whereas my other doctor hiding in his in his house doing Zoom meetings from there because he's afraid of the world. Yeah, he's um, a good little sheep. My other doctor. He's a good little sheep. Um, he takes his orders and he follows them clearly. I 
one of the things I wanted to ask Dr. Baker was if he could ballpark, you know, from his conversations over the last couple of years, sort of break down how many, what percentage of the medical profession, it was just a dumb, you know, it was a question that he wouldn't be able to answer with any kind of anything with speculation, right? But how much of the medical profession is marching in lockstep with Fauci? You know, how much is really grinding out and trying to, you know, gather data and being open-minded to the sources and aware of the Sean uh, Bakers and Dr. Peter McCullough. I wanted to bring him up to him. He's that like world renowned, like top of the food chain, like most cited to cardiac professional on the effing planet. Who's like the editor in chief of like four of the most prestigious cardiovascular journals on the, on earth and former chief of, uh, uh, chief of cardiac, whatever at Baylor, Scott and white. And he's now being labeled a crazy right-wing conspiracy theorist nut job because he dared publish papers about the incidence rate of myocarditis. So anyway, what, what is the breakdown between like the lockstep marchers, the, the, the people fighting, putting themselves out there, risking their careers and their reputations to fight this thing. And then what percentage is that uh, just going along to get along the ones that are like in their heart of hearts, they know there's a problem here, but they're hoping that if they just behave, that it'll go away and it won't lead to, you know, I don't know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of adverse effects or whatever. Um, I know that, you know, we worked with a doctor to get our ivermectin. He was reading and looking at all the data that I get from the podcast I listen to from the first line critical care uh, association doctors that we've linked in our show notes and press past conversations uh, and their, uh, you know, protocols. Um, he was seeing the data about adverse reactions. There's a lady that a neighbor of mine saw who was like, don't get this vaccine. You're not in, you know, he's 42, 43 years old. She was like, you're, you're not in the class of people who should be taking this vaccine. Um, I don't, I haven't talked to, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of doctors in my sphere, but the doctors that I'm, I have talked talk to and that people I know have talked to are saying the exact same thing that, 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 uh, allergist y'all saw is, you know, if you've already had it, you're good. Don't take it. If you haven't had it and you're, you know, young and reasonably healthy, you know, make your own decision, but I don't think it's necessary. I, that I just it, even threw out the fact that if you get vaccinated, you're more likely to get the uh, the virus after after that initial, which Sean brought up. The efficacy wanes so quickly. He's like right. you and I. He's like we've had COVID. Who knows how long it's going to protect us? I was like, yeah, I'm going on over a year now. So, you know, yeah. But um, uh, did you see? <laughs> Did you see Dana White troll the mainstream media? I did. On awesome. His, on his uh, Instagram video, and he said, I'd like to thank Dr. Joe Rogan because of his COVID treatment regimen. I am now COVID negative five days after testing positive. Yep. It's pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. Um, uh, it's the same, you know, I, I was over, I was negative after six days just from ivermectin. He did the full cocktail of stuff. Ivermectin and the, and the different vitamins that, that are recommended with the ivermectin. Um, you know, where my friend who got vaccinated and who rubs our, you know, who demands that we comply every day. It took him 12 days to 
formally no longer have the virus. Talk yeah. about your other your other friend. You don't have to say his name, but that situation you told me before. Oh, it's kind of off the air. Yeah, he. Crazy. I have a buddy that. Uh, and these are Texas natives. Yes, both native Texas Texans. natives. Wow. Yep. Um, one of my best friends for a really long time. Um, his wife is from Austin. She's one of my favorite people in the world. But you know, accordingly, probably uh, she's not some lefty progressive by any stretch of the imagination. But you know more prone to trust what she's told more prone to a sort of quote liberal worldview i guess uh, and her family is apparently fairly woke or at least parts of them but parts of mine are and parts of yours are too uh yeah so he got it she got her vax last year she's a teacher felt she needed to do that um I think that, uh, like, like early summer, I feel like I maybe asked him one time, you know, you aren't going to give to your kids. Right. And he's like, well, we've talked about it and she's not too afraid of it, but I'm like, I don't think we should do that. You know? And I think enough data has come out since I, I don't know where that stands at the moment, but he got it in right after I did like just a couple weeks after I did. So I guess like July, late July, probably. Mm. And, um, almost three weeks went by and then he reached out to me and he was like, dude, I got sick as hell. Um, and I felt really bad cause I f- forgot to follow up with him. This was like at the peak of Delta where everybody was sick, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then I hear back from him and turned out he, he'd gotten pretty sick. He didn't get on anything, any kind of, uh, therapeutics until he, a week. He was vaccinated. No, no, he was not. Yeah, he had not he taken was... the shots yet. Right. <laughs> um, but he also did not get on any ivermectin. It took him like a week to mm-hmm. get his hands on some and, Anybody who's paying attention to the actual data on this knows that you got to get that crap in you as fast as possible. Because what it does that's is bullshit, it, too, that people can't get it, that physicians won't prescribe it for them. It's the most sinister part of all this, man. If it's a coin flips chance of helping somebody, it's the safest one of it's the safest so drugs cheap. mankind has ever found. It absolutely yeah. should be just handed out like it is being handed out in India and yeah. other places. Just like, you know, anyway. Um, he got him sick enough that he was telling me he might go get the vax right after having had the virus. And I was like, dude, what? You're, you're immune now. Why would you do right. that? And he was like, well, they're, they're not sure how long that lasts. And I was like, it well, lasts at least as long as the virus has been around. Like why, but they, you know, there, there's no data saying it doesn't last. We, you know, why would you do that? You've got a four times higher risk of getting, you know, of a, a complication now from, and, you know, so I, it was like post-traumatic stress disorder. He was sort of stressed out about it. And then um, you know, a few weeks went by and, you know, the, the sort of fear of having been pretty sick and having a hard time breathing and stuff had gone away. Anyway, over the weekend, he texts me out of nowhere and he's like, so, you know, his wife's woke family in Austin, I think a cousin had enrolled their 18 month old in a vaccine trial, this 18 month old toddler infant, not infant, whatever you call it, year and a half baby uh has now had their first jab and these are people who mask outside expect others that they're with to mask outside won't allow people who aren't vaccinated in their house forget about the fact you know that they've told us that the vaccines aren't even intended to keep you from catching it (sighs) they've they've set this kid up for possible serious health issues for its entire life now for something that they had Maybe. zero I mean, zero 100 zero risk from initially dude I, I i can't even like it's so these parents that are doing this to their kids i don't 
they're, they're living in fear and they're living a lie. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I saw this uh, funny meme. You know what the uh, pro-mandate and anti-vax crowds have in common? Uh, yeah, something like none are fully vaccinated. Neither, neither will ever vac- be fully vaccinated. Right. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> brilliant. I wanted to ask Baker again. It would have been asking to speculate, but like, all right, so if you have these risks of myocarditis that are well-documented now from these shots, like, theoretically speaking, does it increase with each of these injections? Like, at what point, or, or is it each injection is its own, you know, again, it, the, the, yeah. we don't have the data yet. There's no way to know. Right. Which is how you, again, it's it's just an experiment. Fauci basically said so. We haven't Aaron really that given. She's not getting the booster. Like I put, I was like, I'm putting my foot down. That in, the the way that I said it, like me telling her what she was and wasn't going to do, didn't go didn't over, go over well. Well, yeah. but I didn't get a lot of blowback on her actually saying yes, I'm getting the booster. It was more of my approach, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you gotta be mindful. But of I that. felt like right. the Bible says that the man's supposed to be the head of the household. And uh, I think you absolutely have a right to have that conversation and let your concerns be known. Um, in fact, you should let your concerns be known because y'all do have a partnership. You have kids that you're partnered to care for. And yeah, if she has a severe adverse reaction, uh, which she already has. Right. In which I she gets sick after both shots. Yeah. And after I said, you're not getting the shot, I promptly said, now get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Man, there's something I wanted to mention. It's come to my mind three times, and I didn't make a note of it. I didn't do that. I said, no, I, won't, I won't say what I said. I hope it happens tonight, though. <laughs> it's been about two or three days too long for me. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that. her bottom? Mm, no, no. That's uh, off limits there, Jism. That's, that, that's not how I meant that. That's not how I meant that. <laughs> well, that's the way it came out. To our Dallas-Fort Worth listener, or non-Dallas-Fort Worth listeners, that's a <laughs> it's an insider joke from uh, the sports radio station 1310, The Ticket. Yep. <clears throat> Cable knows what I'm talking about. Good luck there. with your bottom, by the way. Um, I think that's a good way. We'll end it on a low point. Uh, mm. <laughs> no, that was fun. I uh, certainly enjoyed having dr baker on and uh and we could have like we were talking about we could have talked to sean all day but uh just wanted to be respectful with of his time and i you know he seemed to be enjoying the conversation and probably would have gone longer but when you tell someone hey we want you for this many minutes yeah just sure um but yeah you could have certainly racked his brain on i would have liked to have known if so now you're on booster shot number three in Israel. They're on like booster shot number five or, or shot number three booster. Okay. Now they're on, they're like getting their second round of boosters over there. Does that stuff build up and increase potential side effects? I yeah. And I, I do think the answer is yes. If I'm not mistaken. Not too, right? I, 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 yeah, I think so. I, but I think yeah, that that the third shots to get his take on. Um, I think the third shots have created some problems. Um, in some of the Israel data specifically, it's, it's really unbelievable what's happening. I saw this great meme earlier about how it, it compared two statements from the CDC. One said that the vaccines are showing great efficacy against Omicron. And the other one said 
drug manufacturers are working as we speak on vaccine boosters that will specifically address Omicron. It's like, yeah. Why is that necessary if they're working? (laughs) And how did we already have, like, I think I mentioned last week, how did we already have a test to detect the Omicron variant before Omicron was even a thing? Yeah. Go read, go read or listen to the real Anthony Fauci and you'll have a better understanding of how. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, one other side note. I know we said we we're going to end it, but who cares? It's our show. We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see all of the staffers that are quitting Kamala? Yeah. Kamala. Like, it's like a, it, it's a dumpster fire, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a dumpster fire. And yeah, so not surprisingly, is. her officer is a dumpster fire. And people do not want to work with her. I wonder <sighs> if she's an asshole or if she's just too stupid. One of the ones that quit has come out and said that she's a bully and like a tyrant. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would guess that more of them are quitting just because she's so incompetent and they realize now like, oh, this lady just sucks. Yeah. Um, but my guess is that because she sucks and doesn't want to acknowledge her own suckiness, that she probably is also a real B to work for because she wants to blame you for her own suckiness. So. Oh, yeah. So Speaking of suckiness, I saw another. Going, going back to another great meme, someone sent me a, a photo of a bunch of, sh- of knee pads, and it said how the knee- meme was how Kamala got to the top. <laughs> That's actually true. That's not just funny. It's true. She, what is the guy's name? Oh, man, she was uh, in her late 20s when she shacked up with a married... Um, politician in san francisco she's a homewrecker uh, i didn't know kamala was a homewrecker yeah dude the, huh. the, you know in san francisco they have um they don't have a city council they have some other position that they're you know they're aldermen or something Ooh, like that but i got, it, a, I got a tidbit for san francisco too keep going yeah they, they just they have a whole bunch of these people that are like uh kind of like council members they represent different sort of districts of the city and um, one of them who had been like a longtime power broker in San Francisco politics, whose name I can't re- recall yet. He was 30 something years older than her. And she had a sexual relationship with him that started while he was still married and continued, I think, after he got a divorce. And that's basically her start into politics. He assigned he, he gave her a job uh, in the city government and then she ended up going to law school. Hell, I don't know. Maybe he paid for it. He must like Adam's apples. Cause she has a hellacious Adam's apple. You ever notice mm-hmm. that? Well, it's, it gives her the good like, tackles. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, she's a big supporter of transgender rights. Makes you wonder if she is one. Um, <laughs> hell of an apple. She's got a more pronounced Adam's apple than I do. Uh, and you take testosterone. So. Right. But also uh, so this is from the, uh, this is from the Hilda and Jesse restaurant in san francisco this oh uh, yeah this week it's good yeah. stuff yeah so uh this is their their uh public statement our restaurant is a safe space particularly for queer and by hope bipoc black indigenous and people of color for queers because you group them all together right, right. All so instead of just saying for gay people and minorities we're, we're queers <laughs> and BIPOCs, indivi- BIPOC individuals. So I'm going to start over. Right, because BIPOC again, completely threw me off because that's not even a fucking word. Queers <laughs> cover all of them. All people so, who would, you know, uh, 
subscribe to a different sexual preference, etc. Mm. And then BIPOC includes all minorities, mm. as you say. It, you're so right, it's not a word. A restaurant is, is a safe space, particularly for queer and BIPOC individuals. Furthermore, the fact that they were in uniform, the two police officers, with multiple weapons on them made our staff uncomfortable and potentially other guests. So they were asked to leave. We would happily welcome them off duty, out of uniform, and without weapons. We're sorry that the decision upsets you. We understand your perspective, and we hope you'll consider ours. Rachel Silcox, she, her, <laughs> operations co-owner of the Hilda and Jesse restaurant. So the fucking queers are made uncomfortable by cops is what I'm understanding that to be. Apparently. So have you seen the update to that? No. I think it hit yesterday. They have formally apologized for it and explained that they absolutely support the police department. It had nothing to do with the police themselves. It was the guns. The guns made the queer and BIPOC uh, you know, uh, customers of that establishment Well, they're talking out of both sides of their mouth because in, this, in their unsafe. public comment, they said out of uniform. Yeah, right. Well, right. So I'm saying like they have apologized and walked all that back. And yeah, said well, that the real reason was, and it wasn't even their customers, it was their staff who were anxious about the presence of a gun. Well, their woke the comment turned to shit, and so they had to walk it back is what really happened. Yeah, so, they got dogpiled. Even know, speaking of reasons to be you know, optimistic right now, look at the ratings of all of these books and films and things that are coming out. We talked about the, the, the Netflix, I think, put out a Fauci documentary that tried to pump him up as a hero, oh, yeah. and it had like a 3% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and got, I mean, absolutely shit can to where these social media companies are, you know, they're hiding the dislike button or they're hiding the dislike rankings, even on, you know, on YouTube, all these different places. They did that for the White House, White House's YouTube channel, hid the damn dislike button because, you know, all of these measures are, are all these measures, all of these individuals all of these you know propaganda outlets are hated you know universally and then you go look at the real anthony fauci this book i keep talking about and it's got 98 percent approval or you know 98 percent positive feedback on amazon um another book that i think we should take a look at it was written by dr uh, scott atlas who is a professor at stanford uh medical professor and an expert specifically in public health policy so he's like, you know, he's an expert on the entire American history and world history of like government response to pandemics, right? So he was brought to the White House last August, August of 2020, um, to serve on the uh, the president's advisory panel or whatever under Trump on what to do here. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has like a, a whistleblower tell-all book that just came out called um, A House Divided, A House, something like that. Scott Ellis, um, he, yeah, he, he's saying the same thing and basically pointing out like the, the three main players in that whole deal, Fauci, Dr. Burks, and the guy, Robert Redfield, who ran the CDC, he's like, they didn't ever cite data. They would just come in and say, here's what we have to do. And when we would challenge them, he and other actual scientists on their proposals, they would have no data and they would just like bully and shout them down and was my original point oh that book that book has got you know almost 600 reviews and like all of them are five stars all of them uh 
you know, I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is when you look at the way the vaccine uptake has stalled, they've been at 58% of American adults being vaccinated for many, many months now. Um, you know, people are waking up. How do you, it, it is amazing to me that CNN and these, you know, and the Washington Post continue to even quote Fauci. Like, why do you think anybody believes that man? anymore? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. 25, 30 percent of America that has their head so far up their asses that they, you know, they, Your they friend's do. wife's cousin, obviously. There you go. Yeah. Um, Vaccinating their one and a half year old. My neighbor, yeah. uh, Mickey, switched jobs. What's up, Mickey? Recently. Yeah. I, I want to have Mickey on the podcast soon because. He is like he's getting the vaccine mandate from two ends because he is in the uh, Air Force Reserves. So mandate his new job after he started mandate. He's trying to get an exemption for both. No one at the military base. And so he go he goes one week in a month and spends the weekend there. Uh, No one's getting their religious exemptions approved. No one. So it's not looking good for him on that front. Um, but, uh, and when it all plays out, I want to have him on to talk to just to kind of divulge that whole, the, everything that he's seen, his commander tasked him with removing all of the let's go Brandon stickers off of their lockers at the base <laughs> last week. And I was like, why, why does he care? Nice. He's like, well, because we're in the military and we can't really talk. He is the commander in chief, the yeah. president of the United States, even though we all feel the same way. Um, but he so, also said they're making so he's not vaccinated. He's he has to wear a mask on the base. And they he said they kind of loosely enforce it. And there was like on on their weekend, like five or six guys on his team that didn't weren't vaccinated. So they're wearing masks. Some of them weren't wearing masks. But he was like, no, I'm wearing the mask. I'm wearing it on purpose to make people feel uncomfortable so that they know that I'm unvaccinated and that they're persecuting me. He's like, I want them to know. I'm, he's like, I'm not going to hide behind it. I'm not, you know. He's very outspoken about it. So anyway, cool. Uh, I think you'd be, I'd like uh, to talk to him Yeah. I, before we go. And I, I got to get pretty quick because I got to get on something else. But have you heard the phrase post pandemic stress disorder yet? Oh, P- PPSD. The latest cop out for people that have like, have well, I, maybe they don't want to work. That's, that's no, 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 no. It's more nefarious than that. Have we talked? I feel like I mentioned it. Did I mention on the show before that the state of New York, about three weeks back, the governor signed a new law that would require monitoring for childhood cardiac incidents in state schools across the state of New York? Mm-mm. Yeah, I tried to track that back down this weekend. Surprise, had a real hard time finding it. But it was in the newspaper out of Albany, which is the you know state who, capital wait, who, of New who York. Wanted, who who was implementing the state it? of New York? The yeah. state of New York. Got it. The, the New York Assembly and then the governor, new governor Hochul, signed a law that created a framework for identifying and monitoring cases of I think what they called sudden sudden childhood cardiac arrest or, or cardiac disease or something so like caused that. by the vaccine. Uh, no, they say. They say in the article from the Albany newspaper that this is always this is a it's well known that this is a unique threat to children. It's a unique threat that's always existed. And they cite to a kid in 2009 that dropped dead playing football, I believe, and that it was his mom who, you know, began this grassroots campaign. And this is just that coming to fruition 12 years later. 
they had one kid that they could cite to in the state of New York that had had something like this happen. Now they have anytime a kid has, you know, faints or, you know, anything like that, they put them into this registry in the state of New York to monitor them. And they may not be able to play sports anymore if they have something that indicates they may have a cardiac issue. Nobody would ever, ever claim it's got anything to do with them mandating kids be vaccinated. But it's interesting because there's this really high high risk of myocarditis with Uh. particularly boys from the shots. But then, so getting back to what I first asked you about, that was a month ago already, two, three, four weeks ago. Um, first I had seen of, of, a, of a government entity wanting to track cardiovascular issues, particularly in kids. Now there is this new phrase that is being bantied about. And in particularly, I think in Europe, they're kind of gung ho with this idea that there's something called post pandemic stress disorder and associated with post pandemic <laughs> stress disorder is guess what? Heart higher, higher risk of cardiovascular disease. <sighs> So they're literally grooming us, dude. They're grooming us in the media and in governments across the world right now to accept the fact that we're going to start seeing increased risks of cardiovascular disease, but it's got nothing to do with being locked in our houses and not being allowed to go to the gym. It's got nothing to do with the fact that, you know, Krispy Kreme, Budweiser and McDonald's were giving away free shit for a shot. It's got nothing... Nothing to do with any of that. This is totally normal, totally expected, and it certainly doesn't have anything to do with these effing shots and their propensity to myocarditis. Nothing to do with that at all. I'm done. Like, also, post-pandemic stress disorder. Fuck you, Dan Crenshaw. Let's end on that. Yeah, we'll get into into that. Yeah, we need to. Dan, dude, Bongino was blowing him up this morning, and rightfully so. You know, I've had Dan on my on my other show, Crenshaw like talking to him i i don't yeah. know i mean should it should have i should have known when they rolled him out on saturday night live that there yeah. was something that it was he was he was too good to be true yeah man yeah um so, uh, wolf's and wolf and sheep's clothing no shit let's end on that and we'll we'll pick it back up there next week a uh, couple books to think about reviewing we'll get on those as well that is going to do it for what, what episode is this? 57. I think episode so, yeah. 57 of Justified Pursuit. Chisholm, I will see you in a few days, my friend. We're headed down to the lease. Excited Heck about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a little hunting, maybe get Henry his first buck. Looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we will check you guys later. Eat meat. Eat meat. Eat it all day long. Eat a few T-bones till you get your fill. Eat a New York cut. Hot off the grill. Steak, steak, eat a big old steer, eat steak, eat steak, do we have